Alrighty, let's face it, life is hard. Today, a licensed professional Christian counselor will give us a scoop on coping skills for moms and kids alike. She'll explain the various developmental stages of adolescence and help moms understand what their kids should and should not be learning. That's coming up next. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Each week, we introduce you to special guests who share their personal stories and advice on how to build a strong foundation of faith, family, and freedom in their home, community, and country. Hi, moms. I'm Debbie Corlitis, your host, and this is the Moms for America podcast, a show inspiring, encouraging, and educating moms in their journey through motherhood. Right on the top of the show, we want to invite you to like and subscribe to our podcast. We also ask that you share this podcast uh, with your mama friends in your circle. Uh, we do a great podcast every week with wonderful guests. We have another great guest today. Um, also, if you have any suggestions for the podcast, you want to send me an idea or a topic, would you email me at podcast at momsforamerica.net? Again, that's podcast at momsforamerica.net. I do want to invite all of our moms listening to please join our movement here at Moms for America. We would love to have you in our tribe here. It's moms like us uniting all across the country to fight for faith, family, freedom, and the Constitution. So please go ahead and check out Moms for America at our website, which is amazing, momsforamerica.us. Alrighty, today, Gina Yanovich is my guest. Now, Gina is a licensed Christian professional counselor. She counsels individuals and groups. And today, she is here to talk with us about a myriad of issues related to mental health. Alrighty, I'm delighted to have you, Gina. Welcome to the Moms for America podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. Love All right, Gina. I understand that you're a mama. Can you tell me a little bit about your family, your tribe over there and your kids? Introduce us to your family. Yeah, I am a uh, wife of 32 years. I've been married to my college sweetheart. Um, we started having kids shortly after we got married, about three years in, and I had a first set of my twin daughters, identical twin girls. And three years later, I had another set of identical twin boys. So I wow. was in baby hell for a long time. <laughs> So you, sure, uh, you beat the ads there, girl. Wow. So I had um, four or three, three and under and um, was fully into it. I did end up um, getting my undergrad degree in psychology. And uh, before I had the kids, I worked in a psych hospital for kids um, on a locked unit for two years and then for a year with teenagers. Um, I went on to, once I was so busy with my kids, I stayed home, but I never left the field. I continued to always work on my field, continued to always be involved somehow in my field. And then I went on to get my master's um, in counseling and has recently, in my three and a half years, opened my own private practice. So now um, I work in Phoenix, Arizona. My kids are now 29 and 26 and um, I'm that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're doing a lot of great things out there and offering a service and support that is so, so needed right now. It's, it's, it's tough out there. We know mm -hmm. that as parents, that it is tough out there. So um, Gina, just, well, I'm going to start the conversation a little general here. There's a growing concern for what's happening around the country. We know that we see it. Um, there's school curriculum, there's laws being passed. Um, there's 
medical issues, um, gender issues for minor children. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges that you have seen in the culture, maybe over the last 10, 20 years? I mean, we have gone from one type of society to literally something that none of us recognize. Mm -hmm. And the challenges, obviously, and that's why counseling is so important. That's why the home and, and, and a spiritual life is so important. But what if, what are you seeing and how shocking is it from your perspective as a counselor? Well, I think what I've seen the most is that school has kind of, especially school, has drifted away from what we know. And I think anytime humans need certainty. And I think that it is caused a lot of uncertainty for a lot of people. And when that happens, it brings up so much fear. And I think when we operate in fear is where we really struggle. And so that is where I've seen a lot of parents working a lot in fear, fearful mm -hmm. of all sorts of things. And in that is emotional regulation becomes harder, all sorts of like even our prefrontal cortex working from where we problem solve or work through things, all of that becomes harder for us. So we need to like just understand that when these changes arrive, um, that the natural response to a human would be fear. It is a natural part of who we are. And so I'm seeing that, I'm seeing parents make um, decisions, all sorts of decisions which I completely understand. I mean, the life of your kid is super important. So mm -hmm. it's important for every parent to make decisions based on their kid, what's going on at their home and every particular personality. Sometimes mm -hmm. even within the family, it looks different. Like what one of your kids do versus what maybe the first right. versus the baby does. Right. And so even in that, so that's what I've seen is a lot of fear. Arise. Yeah, a lot of fear. And I, I think what goes hand in hand with that is confusion. And it just yeah. seems like there is so much. I mean, we're confusing children about just their very soul, their 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 identity. Um, and so that it just creates a culture of, of a bizarre culture that is very difficult. What about the stages of development um, that our child goes through? I know you, you speak to this. Can you talk about those stages? And I think as we get into this conversation, we're going to really be learning a lot about how to cope and how to help and how to support our kids yeah. through these stages. Absolutely. Absolutely. From five to 12 is industry versus inferiority. That is a major major learning stage from five years old to 12 years old, which means we learn, this is where we learn our writing, our reading, our arithmetic. We're learning a lot of stuff in that, that developmental stage. That's a really important stage because all of our, like all of the synapses in our brains are at its peak. We're able to take in a lot of information. We go from not, from not reading to doing like pretty advanced, like mm -hmm. reading being able to read and write a whole little book report and everything that takes all the way from a 12, 12 year old from a five-year-old. And you see, it's an incredible amount of learning. But what we need to pay attention to in those years is that the brain needs to know, like hook into like um, non-negotiables, like things that are very factual because mm. the brain needs that in, in the learning. That's why it's hugely important that we learn, that we fail and we succeed, all of those things. And there's that industrious versus inferiority. If I don't learn to read, I feel inferior. If I don't learn these, I feel bad about myself. Now, I don't think it's all like a hall has to be like, I'm only winning 
or I'm only losing. I need to actually experience both of those in those developmental stages. Mm -hmm. Why I don't believe that sex ed is part of that is because so much different interpretations. So if we understand the brain and the brain is based on experiential learning, that's how mm -hmm. the brain learns. Between five and 12 is experiential learning. We are always, mm -hmm. our brain is always being structured on our experience. Right. So, and it's always being interpreted through our experience. So if right. I have a child in class who's been molested, I don't know as a teacher, and I have a child who has never experienced that, those two different experiences will interpret like a sex ed class extremely yeah. oh, I could see that. And that's why it's like a very difficult thing to bring up in, in those years. Now, in parenting years, it's completely appropriate to be bringing Correct. Home. But in a classroom setting where you don't know everybody's experiences, it you run a real risk on a lot of um, situations for kids. Okay, so that's five to twelve. Now, what's the next stage? Well, that's uh, that is where we do go into like learning about um, ourselves and our ego and who we are, and that is more experiential learning. So we that is when we get more ourselves into more of that so that is a whole different stage of life so mm -hmm. that becomes much more um, open to talking about things experimenting things and that is where I kind of learn about um, sex and what's important and all those kind of things so those are different stages. where is the child's brain in this section so five to twelve well, I kind of think of twelve now we've got preteens yeah going into teen um and, and mind you, experience is still very important for the brain. So mm -hmm. all the brains are at different levels at this point. Right. right? So it just depends on what your home life is, mm -hmm. what your exposure is, anything, everything you're exposed to, everything is, is impacting your brain and how it's interpreting things. So mm -hmm. am I always watching video games? Am I always playing video games? Right. Am I just always running and playing soccer. And so much is very different for every single person. And so the brain has, has so much to do with interpretation. And that's such a key part of our lives. It is, it is such a key part. So, so we've, how many stages, how many stages did you want to talk to us about? So we've got the first stage five to 12, 12 to what is the second stage? It, it, what is it? 12 to 18 is, is okay. your second stage. And then, of course, we move on and in the stages get very much longer. I think my 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 stage I like to talk to you about is the 5 to 12. And I teach a coping skills class for moms who are dealing with their kids in that age group. Right. And this is such a foundational time, 5 uh -huh. to 12. We all know that as moms. And this is why it's so offensive when they come in now and they say that they're going to start discussing pronouns and they're going to start, uh, you know, pushing a sex ad, pushing sexuality in the schools. Um, I mean, what would a brain even be thinking about between 5 and 10 years old about a gender or picking a gender? Um, did they know, right, the 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 indoctrination uh, authorities know that if they can get the children at this young developmental stage, which you're talking about, this is really when they can start changing a generation. Mm -hmm. I mean, not, not for good, by the way, either. Right. Well, I guess in my heart of hearts, I would hope that educators wouldn't be quite as decisive as that, but maybe they are. But maybe it's that they think it's part of like teaching kids to accept a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. um, 
The problem with that, when we move in from an education, in my perspective, when we as educators move into something that is more social based mm-hmm. um, and more on the um, on the side such as sexuality, that is very personal. So we move into that. That's where I say it is very difficult to teach a classroom of children that you have no idea what the right. experiential learning is. It's a good point. Just teach one thing. What we have to do is, and that's why it's very individual. So what one kid's exposed to, I don't know what another kid is exposed to. And does it, there's no proof that that means that it teaches a kid to be more tolerant. Tolerance looks different. Tolerance is a very different thing than having full exposure of like questioning who you are. Mm -hmm. Every kid is going to question who they are. That's part of life. Mm -hmm. That's what we do as we grow, is we question ourselves. Right. Well, I like to get into really your wheelhouse and that's really coping, right? Yes. So you counsel, tell us a little bit about what you do. You meet with parents to teach them how to cope. Mm -hmm. And we always say here at Moms for America, if the mom's in a good shape, then usually the home's in a good shape, right? If mom's healthy, the home's healthy. That doesn't mean we're perfect, but at least if we can get moms in a good spot, they then in turn can um, raise and mentor and teach their children. So I, I kind of want to get into this whole coping mechanisms that you teach parents and then what we can do as parents to help our kids. So what is what is the goal um, that you like to share and do um, and, and help moms with their coping? Um, because we do need a lot of help, by the way. Gina. I know, I know, I know. I get it I, so much. I think the most important thing that I teach moms is how the brain works and like this is, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. I've te- I teach a coping skills class that everyone says, I wish I had known this in high school. I wish I'd known. We have these computers, we have these operating systems called mm-hmm. our brains. Yeah. And we never spend time learning how it works. And as a consequence, we kind of get tossed around about it. And that's a really big problem because your brain is your operating system. It is how you interpret and see the world so even that real big thing is is the experience and teaching parents experience like knowing that the brain has experience related changes so teaching parents not to allow kids to focus only on one thing because a kid has to be exposed to a lot of things and diversify the brain so it can like learn different techniques and a lot of things. So we understand that. Another mm-hmm. two thing is to understand emotion. Emotion's a really big, difficult thing for kids to understand, even for adults to understand. Mm-hmm. And for moms to understand it, is, it takes it even another notch. Like we think we're emotionally balanced until we have kids. And then <laughs> the kid is throwing a temper tantrum or saying something like yes. knocks your emotions off. Sure does. So it's a really important thing to understand emotions. And emotions are almost like the waves on a on a ocean. Think of it as your emotions. The fact is some of them are big. Like I would say anger becomes a big tidal wave at times. But yeah. it's still not long lasting. The fact is, is our emotions are are shorter in the fact that they don't last forever. And they we can ride them as a wave. That is super mm. important to understand. There are studies that show that our emotions come up from sometimes from the body. Maybe it's a heart rate. Okay. Mm-hmm. Our heart starts to change. And we're like, that's anxiety. That's fear. That's anger. That's, you know, so remember there's a body mind 
connection there and just mm -hmm. teaching kids this. Our, our emotions are not facts. They're not necessarily rooted in a fact, but they're an emotion that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. And so maybe let, let me give you an example. Lonely. Yeah, I would like some examples because yeah. I think we can, if you can paint a picture for us, then we know how to respond and some things that we can actually be working on. Absolutely. So like a kid comes home, it's like very lonely. Um, they feel lonely. A friend was being mean to them at school. Now there's an interpretation for that. So a kid's feeling mean at school, it said something mean at school and it made me feel so sad. Right. And I come mm -hmm. home, sad, tell my mom now, now mom can either do like, Oh, that girl, she shouldn't have said that. That is so mean. I hate it when girls are mean like that. Right. And I can get, take my emotions on that level. I think I've said that. I think I've done that. Okay. Gina, don't be revealing too much here. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Or you can dive into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So that experience actually impacts the brain for later relationships. So this is what I mean. Every experience impacts you, everyone. So this little friend, this little girl, your daughter comes home, says that her friend was mean. Guess what? That experience will impact all her relationships as it's going into the brain. It's like, I don't ever want you to feel lonely again. No one should ever be mean to you again. So anytime someone's being mean to you, I'm going to remind you right? That's why I want to talk about it. Mm. So I come home, I talk about it. I say, um, she was so mean. It's like, oh, what'd she do? And you'll talk about that. But really the questions are, is like, what did it mean to you when she did do it? What did that mean to you? Well, it meant that I was um, not a friend or it meant that she doesn't like me or it meant that she um, hates me. It's amazing what everyone thinks of it differently. I, I even ask my clients like, what did that mean to you? And I think I know what they're going to say. And they'll always say something totally different. I'm like, why? Well, I never thought you'd say that, right? Every brain, it means something different because of their experiences. So you and I were a little older. So we're not going to, it's not going to mean the same to us as it does to like a little eight-year-old who's mm -hmm. experiencing this for the first time. So she'll say what it means. We're usually black and white. That's normal. So we're this is the coping skill we're playing out right now. We're asking them what it means to them. What it means to them. Okay. And then it's like, and okay, what does that mean? It means I'm lonely. Oh, that's a tough feeling. So then we talk about that feeling. It's like, what's that feeling? It's like, well, it's lonely. I feel like I don't have any more friends. And it's like, okay, all of those are normal. That's all okay to feel that. And I kind of validate those feelings. But okay. then I kind of get asked for evidence from it. So then I say, do you have any friends? I mean, you feel like you don't have any. No, I don't feel like I was like, oh, okay. Like, Maybe you could tell me, like, if you have one, do you have one friend? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, maybe mom's your friend or maybe maybe your cousin's your friend. Maybe the girl down the street is a friend. Okay, okay, I have one friend. So do you see how we're starting to challenge these thoughts? Mm. So we begin to start working with challenging thoughts. This is why I don't agree with- the Is that what it's called? Challenging thoughts? Yes. Okay. This is why I don't agree with affirming every thought, right? We actually have to see if it's rooted in, in, in some sort so of- So are you doing an investigation? Yeah, you're investigating. Okay. Well, what okay. we do is we put our thoughts on trial. So if, our it thoughts on trial. Up, okay. if it doesn't hold up in trial, maybe it's not true. You know? Okay. If, All right, I get that. We so, used to have a thing here at the house that we'd call out the jury, but that's a whole different story. Oh, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying yeah. where, where you have to realize, they have to realize what is truth that's because someone's right. picking on them because someone doesn't like them because someone's being mean. That doesn't mean they're a terrible person. It doesn't mean that they don't have friends. It doesn't mean that they're not loved, but their little hearts get broken. And I understand no. that. 
their heart gets broken and the good thing is it's like we put a realistic time frame on it the good thing is, is this doesn't last forever so we don't have this feeling that will last forever thank goodness it's just a wave it's not like a like forever we're in that only pool right mm -hmm. and this is where we get ourselves mixed up when we're young because it's like oh, i'll never feel unlonely i'm always going to feel lonely well not always so sometimes we'll write it down like when have you ever not felt lonely Mm -hmm. So sometimes we'll actually give the kid challenges to find different times that they haven't felt lonely. And then, we say, so what would be the top couple of things that you would say for coping for our, our children? List them out for me, so I'm so I'm clear. I think I've I've got you sharing your ideas, but I want to understand them. Like one, two, three, four, five. What would be your top five? I would say understand the brain. Okay. Understand how to deal with emotions and to regulate your emotions. And then to understand like how to interact or like use your brain to its fullest. Meaning, how do I like accept my emotion, identify it, and then like carry on? <laughs> Hard to do, but wow. that's a practice that we all have to do. And so like understanding those emotions. Now, within that, there's a ton of coping skills, right? <laughs> and, and I would never be able to go over those with you, but it, active listening, um, gratitude, getting over resentment, all of those are part of our coping skills. Mm -hmm. But understanding that the brain has to cope in this world, and it's actually made to cope with a lot of difficulty. Right. It is actually created. It is a challenging world every day, right? And believe it or not, your brain is actually... Um, it can, it can adapt and work with this. Mm -hmm. So I guess the hope I feel like is that parents need to understand that these kids are born for this generation and yeah. are able to handle whatever life gives them because yeah. we have this amazing brain and we have this amazing, like those who are spiritual and have God, we have, we have all sorts of ways. Let, let's be honest. There's many generations that were very awful and very lived in very horrible times, even Bible times, very yeah. difficult times for the brain to live. And we're able to cope with it. Like we have the ability to use our brains to cope with. We should and do. And faith. And faith is very important a part of your counseling. How do you incorporate faith? What are the, the um, important factors that you're sharing about coping, but utilizing all the gifts that God has given us. What do you share on that one with faith? Well, I, you know, when you look at um, scripture and you look at Jesus, he lived on this earth and mm -hmm. had every coping skill that I um, teach in class, active listening, um, learning how to um, radical acceptance, um, learning how to just work through problems, problem solving. He understood like boundaries, how to get away by himself. He learned all ways to be able to emotionally regulate. Mm. He dealt with a human body. That's hard. It's hard for all of us. And so we right. have all of those. So we do actually put scripture with all of our coping skills. And it is amazing when you start applying it that way. I also add neuroscience with it. And when you put those together, it's amazing. I guess that's the key is that you're equipped to cope with this world. That's the key. That's your message, right? We are not, uh, we're not defeated. No. We really, God has raised us for such a time as this. God gives us the skills that we need and God doesn't, right? He doesn't give us anything too, too hard uh, beyond our, beyond our hope. And there are times, of course, when things feel very hard. 
right. it feels overwhelming. But sometimes we put a wrong time frame on that because mm. sometimes we say it's going to feel like this forever, right? And that's a coping skill to use. It's like maybe my time frame's wrong. <laughs> maybe know? my time frame's wrong. Okay. And that would be a challenge, right? A challenging to that thought is like maybe it's just for now. Could I handle it now? I know right. when we work out, right? It's like anyone can do this for two more minutes, right? Right. That's kind of true in our own lives. It's like sure. What are you seeing as far as coping skills that need to be addressed for the the moms before we go today? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Depression? Is it stress? What are you seeing? When the moms come in and talk with you, what are you seeing that the moms are, are the top issues that moms are seeing for them personally? Yeah, I think what I see over and over and I talk about over and over in class is, is emotional regulation. We just, which we, is, is, is just learning to ride your own wave and to calm it down. So we do a lot of breath, calming ourselves, even challenging our own thoughts. Like most of the time we go right into fear when our kid is having a hard time. We right. go into fear and coming into love, which is where God is. We go into problem solving, being able to talk and communicate. There's so much better things. That's the prefrontal cortex, which is where we want to be. That's where we come in love. When we go into fear, we go right into our, you know, panic survival place and when we move into like trying to say where am i right now where am i am i in fear i'm in fear i need to really calm down come up and say that is not where god wants me right i need to be in love and understand that i have everything i am equipped for all of this in life and that's a really powerful story if i know how to use my operating system i can be quite powerful any closing thoughts for our moms? Um, you talked a lot about fear, and I think fear does uh, set off a whole, I mean, from your health yeah. to uh, your relationships, um, you know, just to in, in anxiety. I, I think, and it is a fearful, it feels very fearful out there, although I, I know that God is with us and that we are warriors. And, but um, you know, anything else you'd like to share with the moms before we leave? Because if, like we've said earlier, if the moms are not in a good spot, the house isn't, the home isn't, our children aren't. We have to be strong. We have to figure out how to cope through each um, each right, left turn that hits us, um, whether it's our kids or whether it's us or whether it's our marriage. Yeah, right. Absolutely. I mean, life is hard. So I guess I would say to moms is, moms, you are able to have huge impact on your child's mental health. That yeah. means you're able to um, teach them so much and they mirror so much of how you regulate. And it's so important to teach them that they have the power and adaption to go through so many things if they understand how beautiful their brain is made and even mm -hmm. understanding all the little things that make their brain beautiful. I encourage lots of conversations at home Lots of like family dinners that you're talking. I think the one key as every parent should give is like, you can tell me anything. It will never change me from loving you. And that right. is an open communication of like, I'm able, oftentimes people keep things from you because of your reactions. And mm -hmm. so understanding that, like it's important for you to not overreact to things and to be able to openly hear each other and be able to like help yeah. them identify their own operating system and how to work with it the best they can. 
So amen, sister. We've got yeah. to do that every day and every moment. It is really. Um, so thank you, Gina. I want to make sure that we mention um about your counseling center. Uh, yeah. tell us uh, tell us about that and what you offer and where we can yeah. find it. Yeah, I'm at mindhelm.org. I have um it's individual and couples counseling. And I'm over in Phoenix, Arizona, and um, you can find me online. So, and you can do it virtual. I do. I do it with okay. as well. So, yeah. So, wow, the world's just at our fingertips now. We can actually call you up and right. and say hello. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, thank you, Gina. We um, so appreciate your tips on on coping and your words of advice for our moms. And um, God bless you. And um, keep. Uh, Keep helping those mamas and those families and those children uh, with oh, your great advice. Thank you. Keep it up. I love your podcast. All right. Thank you, Gina. Bye-bye. All righty. Well, thanks again, Gina, for joining us. Again, you can check out Gina's Counseling Center online by going to mindhelm.org. Again, that's mindhelm.org. Um, and you can get more information for Gina there. Alrighty, so I want to remind everyone, please go ahead, visit our website again, momsforamerica.us. Check out all of our amazing resources, our events, our programs. We have it all, mama. Um, I also want to encourage you to check out our signature program, which is called the Cottage Meetings. These 12 lessons will literally inspire you about America's amazing heritage and help you to educate your children um, and make an impact in your community. These principles of liberty are amazing to learn and to teach at your home, at your kitchen table. This program, along with many of the other programs on our website, will help you impact your family in a very powerful way. From parental rights to public policy, Moms for America has it all. Lastly, I do want to invite you that when you come by to our website, would you please sign up for our weekly newsletter? This will help you get educated on issues uh, that relate to you as a mom and uh, obviously keep you up to date with everything that is happening here at Moms for America and literally everything that's happening around the country. We say this every week, moms. We believe that liberty begins at home, that you moms are truly the heartbeat of America. That's why this movement is so powerful. The moms are going to save our country. Again, like, subscribe, and share. Can't wait to see you next week for another informative, inspiring discussion for moms just like you. Thanks for joining us, moms. Um, and you know what? Let's keep changing our world one home at a time. Talk to you soon.